You're listening to Confessions of a Grieving Mother by Emma's Footprints. Each week, we will be bringing you stories to give you a real look on what families go through after they experience a pregnancy or infant loss. Our goal is to help educate, support, and break the stigma around this topic. Be prepared for tears and laughter as we remember our babies. This is going to be real, raw, and vulnerable, so get your boots on. It's going to be messy. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Grieving Mother. I am Tracy. I'm Emma's mom. And I am Julie Gus's mom. And on the phone with us, we have Jacqueline. Hey, Jacqueline. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. Where are you calling us from? I'm calling from San Diego, California. Mm, That's awesome. I hear that's like heaven on earth, but I've never been there. It's pretty lovely. The um, <laughs> I can't complain except for the housing prices and the traffic. Besides oh. that, it's pretty perfect. Yeah, yeah. those two things you got to put Crap. up with. The sunshine, <laughs> yeah, housing prices, traffic. How's the weather? The weather's amazing. Yeah, it's a pretty steady low to mid seventies. Nice. It's sunny almost every day. Of course, I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I'm used to a lot of gray. Wow. So you don't have the, that last pile of snow hanging out in your front yard like I do. Exactly. It never goes away. <laughs> it, it never goes away. It really doesn't. It's like, why is that still there? It's dirty. It's so dirty. It's so gross. <laughs> it's crusty. Your EPA problems. <laughs> I know. So okay, funny. so I actually know, um, I call her Jackie. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, we played basketball together. Oh, really? Yeah. I, like, know nothing about this whole story. <laughs> I always forget this, actually. I'm glad you brought it up again. Maybe I wasn't a good history. teammate. <laughs> Maybe I was a mean teammate. So, yeah, we played AAU basketball in high school, and Jackie and I were on the same team. You were my four guard. <laughs> I was your four guard. <laughs> so what took you yes, out to... Yes, you were amazing. What you took you out to San Diego? Sorry, say that again. What took you out to San Diego? Well, good question. My (laughs) husband and I had moved from Erie to England for about a decade because my husband's British. And we just got to a point, actually, it was during all of our pregnancy losses where we really needed a change. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to run away from our problems, but we just thought we'd need a new setting. My brother had moved to San Diego. We had visited a couple of times and thought, oh, that looks like a lovely place to live. You needed some sunshine in your life. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we just made the move and we've been here for five years now. Awesome. So you got married in Erie. Well, no? we got married originally in England, just at a little courthouse registry office. We had a wedding in Erie a year later, but it was, you know, we were already legal. Oh, okay. um, so it was really just the ceremony with friends and family in the white dress. So mm-hmm. for the pictures, it's a big party. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So yeah. What does your pregnancy journey look like? How does that start? Oh gosh. So I hit age 30 and suddenly I was like, let's do this. I'm mm-hmm. ready to be a parent and we began trying and basically my journey was very difficult to get pregnant I would get pregnant after a year of constantly trying and then I would miscarry and that happened for three years and how many losses did you have in those three years three okay um and 
I would go to the doctor, especially after the first year, because and this was in England, and I was told, you know, it on average takes a woman on her first pregnancy up to a year, so keep trying, and then we'll reconvene if things don't happen by then. I just eye so rolled. So, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Insert eye roll. <laughs> Insert eye roll. Yes. Yes. So, at that point, the first... The first miscarriage I would say was the most traumatic because it was one of those where I didn't actually miscarry. I went to my first scan. They didn't end up seeing me until about 14 weeks. And I had a feeling that something was wrong, but nothing overt. It's like that mom intuition. Yeah, like, the mom I don't know, something. Yes. And so I went to my first scan. They couldn't find the heartbeat. Um, I had to have a DNC. It was all just, it was awful. And oh. of course, I think for many of us, when we're at that point where we're ready, it seems like the world is getting pregnant, friends, mm. family. Mm -hmm. We're just of that age where yeah. people typically start a family. And so that was just devastating. And like I said, we then tried again for another year, got pregnant finally, miscarried, and then that happened again. Um at any Eventually. point at any point in that in those three years was there a red flag to doctors or well it was so frustrating because I had always been very irregular with my periods and so I would say like do you think I'm even ovulating regularly this is taking me so long to get pregnant and it just wasn't really I had some tests they just I don't know they yeah. just kept telling me to keep trying um, there didn't seem to be a real plan of action. Yeah. The message was, you're young. Yeah. It'll happen in time. Um, that is a myth. Just enjoy your Such time now. Myth. <laughs> yeah. I know. Just enjoy having sex with your husband and <laughs> trying to get pregnant. <laughs> you're young. Oh my gosh. There's no stress. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. That. Just... Yeah. It, it's like nails on a chalkboard. It mm -hmm. took, oh my gosh. It took such a toll on our relationship. Mm -hmm. And for even years after we had our first baby, because it was like, yes, um, sex becomes just something to procreate and mm -hmm. it's not working. And it, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's been very difficult. Yeah. I don't think that's talked about enough. No, it's not. It needs to be. Right. Because it's an everyday it's so thing, much, yeah. you know, that can, not consumes you, but kind of, mm -hmm. you know. It does, because we were always afraid to even take a break from trying, because I thought, well, what if this month is the month I'm ovulating? Right. I don't want to. Um, it's, I just didn't know. You know, there's the ovulation kits. They never yeah. seem to work. Hmm. Um, so. That's just super yeah, lonely, too. I mean, the, the doctors are not like, hey, we don't know why this is happening, but yeah. we're going to figure, we're going to try to figure this out. Right. It's just, yeah, their advice is. You can hope for that. but You're young. Keep yeah. trying. Yeah, so lonely. And our doctor originally was a much older male a physician. And he, gosh, he came across as so condescending. He actually got out paper and pencil and explained how ovulation works and how intercourse happens and how the baby, I mean, it was ridiculous. So at that point, I complained and got a new doctor who was the head of the fertility unit and she was amazing and she's the one who I begged for assistance and she said okay let's now get you um oh gosh what is it now IUI interuterine mm -hmm. insemination mm -hmm. and so that's how we ended up having 
our firstborn on the first try. Wow. Um, That's so amazing. finally we got relief, but. So yeah, what is IUI for the listeners? Yes. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. I, the the so, two cent cent version. <laughs> yeah. I mean, bullet point. <laughs> Basically, um, gosh, I was given medication to help, um, produce eggs and once they were ready and developed enough then my husband and I he had to go to a hospital he had to produce Mm -hmm. semen which they then took the most uh, yeah they clean them healthy Mm -hmm. yes they wash them a little bath yeah they give them a bath yeah this is for real I believe it (laughs) yeah and so when you say you got pregnant for the first IUI I mean it's just I don't hear that often. I hmm. hear um, in my infertility world, it's you do this at least three times. And if it doesn't work, we, we talk about what that looks like. So um, mm-hmm. I, I know very few people hmm. that it works. And so when I hear that, I think that's you just need a little freaking bit of help. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry that you had to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we were told that the average yes was two or three times. And then mm-hmm. after that, you start discussing IVF. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we were we were so lucky. I mean, <laughs> we were given a little vial of his sperm mm-hmm. and we had to then quickly go to another hospital. Mm-hmm. And then they used that to inseminate me with it. And it took so. So it was wonderful. I mean, as everyone I'm sure listening knows, just because you then get pregnant and even when you're almost to the end of your pregnancy, you always have that extreme fear in the back of your mind that something could go wrong. You have that innocence or that ignorance perhaps that we might have had at the start of trying to start a family where you just think when you want to start it just happens because yeah, we right. feel like that's fingers. everyone's experience and um, we could like continue to talk about it but also in in at such a young age we we are f- told and educated on how not to get pregnant right. and you're scared of it oh, like yeah so you know when it comes time it's like oh wait i thought i was supposed to just get pregnant right oh i thought i was just supposed to have sex one time right <laughs> yeah yes that is so true so I'm so glad that, of course, you guys are just highlighting all of this and bringing it um, to everyone's attention as much as possible because it is so shocking and devastating mm-hmm. and it's not talked. I know I've come across even women who don't want me to talk about it, come to a women's group and share my story because it'll be too upsetting. We don't <laughs> want to stress people out too much. And I think we have to have an awareness. We don't want to be totally blindsided when these things happen to right. us. And it is so common. It's mm-hmm. called education. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, right. listen, Linda's. <laughs> yes. It, it, because you share your loss story does not mean you're going to have a loss. Right. You know, but. Yes. It's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. So you got pregnant then with your little guy. I did. And um, And that pregnancy was, was it uneventful medically? It was uneventful. Yes. I mean, I, gosh, I really didn't even have any 
symptoms, which then made me worry even more throughout the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Like everyone tells me my boobs should be aching and I should be throwing up and I didn't have, I never felt nauseous once. So, you know, another point I wanted to make while I was with you guys today is just how friends and family need to be educated as well, mm-hmm. because it's the things that other people say or don't say that can leave the woman or the couple, the partner's feeling devastated Mm -hmm. um and and yeah so it was a lot of oh you're not experiencing symptoms well that's not good and just so many comments that further exacerbated our stress and our pain yeah it sends you into a spiral Um, Mm -hmm. yes yes so but we made it through. It was an uneventful pregnancy. He's an amazing child. Now six years old. I can't believe. Yeah. What's his name? I love um, their their like surfer hair they have. <laughs> they do. Lucas. Lucas. And then 21 months later, we had our second, which I got pregnant instantly, which was a total shock to us because we thought it could be a long road again. And then we had Gabriel. Wow. I, I feel like we hear that story so much, too. Yeah. Yeah, Did they say that. anything to you, like, after after you delivered, like, maybe this could happen, or was it not really talked about, or not on your radar, or anything like that? I think a doctor had just said to us, you may not want to wait too long. Your body's kind of, yeah. I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, in the groove. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, um, you might, yeah. I didn't want to wait too long and I was at that point 33 and so I thought yeah my clock is ticking unfortunately we don't mm-hmm. have all the time in the world so yeah yeah and was that pregnancy like Lucas's uneventful it was I mean I for a week had felt nauseous and that's about it and he was bigger and I felt <laughs> a lot heavier throughout that so I felt a bigger more <laughs> just say it how it is <laughs> yeah a little more discomfort but again it, it was uneventful thank thank the lord so and then what how old were they when you moved to san diego well lucas was about seven months old so we had him in england and gabriel we had here in san diego oh, okay yeah what's what's it like giving birth in england Oh my gosh, the differences, it's (laughs) night and day. Um, So in England, we have the national health system, and so nobody has to pay insurance or has to pay for their health care, which is absolutely amazing. But you do get, when I say the basics, I mean, there are no frills. Um, So when I had Gabriel in San Diego, it was at a new hospital with a bed for my husband next to my bed, a huge flat screen TV. We could order our meals from the our room. And in England, it was, you know, there was a hard plastic chair for my husband to sleep in. We didn't get any meals. There was, oh, down the hall, there's some toast. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. They're like, we just got this chair from Kmart and yeah. you can sit in it. Yeah. <laughs> or some crackers in a package. <laughs> Knock well, yourself out. And in England, they really want you they really encourage you leading up to the birth to have a natural uh, birth Mm -hmm. and they really push breastfeeding and I can see the positives of both of those but um, 
it's so pushed on you that if you don't do it, at least in my experience, there's a lot of guilt mm. that comes from that. Um, I, well, I wasn't able to breastfeed either of my boys. I tried and I wasn't producing. And so for the first, gosh, two weeks of Lucas's life, he wasn't eating enough. He lost so much weight that they mm. said, okay, now you need to use formula because he's lost too much weight. And it's that more mom guilt, like, mm-hmm. why can't I do this? Why isn't my body mm-hmm. doing what I thought you could do as a female? Right. So, so I was happy when I came here, at least my experience at our hospital in San Diego was like, give it a try. If it doesn't work or you don't want to, you have other options. Right. So it felt a bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. That is really cool to say. You gave birth in two different countries. Yeah, it's really cool to hear, too. Like, I think, you know, in the U.S., you just, this is just what you know, right? right. You you get treated this way. You get this bed and care and those kind of things, and you don't really know what it's like in yeah, you don't think other about countries, that. Mm-hmm. you know? So to hear that is mm-hmm. kind of, um, it's kind of neat. A difference. I yeah. don't know, but um, I don't know if that's the word, but. <laughs> It's pretty neat. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's nice to have those two perspectives. And yeah. of course, we were lucky, my family, that we have wonderful health insurance. And so we were able to be in a wonderful hospital with wonderful care. Mm-hmm. And I do feel for those who are trying to figure out how am I going to even pay to have my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, we're very, yeah. very lucky. Um, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and talk about a book you wrote. <laughs> Just, just that, just a little, just a little book. (laughs) We'll be right back. Great. I don't know about you, but I have so many gift cards. How many times have you gone to the store and forgotten that gift card that you got for your birthday? How great would it be to finally empty out your purse or wallet? Well, guess what? There's this thing called Gift Pocket. Gift Pocket is a free app that organizes all of your gift cards in one location. There's nothing worse than standing in the checkout line only to realize that you forgot your gift card at home, it's in last season's purse, or even in the car. Gift Pocket lets you upload any gift cards you have, buy them for yourself, or even send gift cards to your friends and family. And it's free. All you have to do is download the app, enter your information, and then clear out your purse. And that's not even the best part. When you download the Gift Pocket app and use the code EMMA, all caps, at sign up, Gift Pocket will donate $5 per download to Emma's Footprints. As soon as you're done listening to this podcast, go download Gift Pocket. All right, Jacqueline. So you wrote a book. I heard you wrote a book. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Just add author to her after Resume. her name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. After Resume. her name. <laughs> Grieving mom slash author. When did that start? Did. How did you do well, that? <laughs> she googled how do you write a book <laughs> um so it actually started out as my journal so throughout my time my struggle over those three years of trying to get pregnant and keep the pregnancy I didn't feel like I had a lot of resources or people to talk to who could just listen mm-hmm. as I mentioned before I know a lot of times we get feedback from our loved ones who mean well but sometimes we don't want the unsolicited advice Mm -hmm. (laughs) or um 
And so I, I've always loved writing. And so I started writing in a journal because I could be so brutally honest with how I was feeling and thinking about the world at the time. And I wouldn't get a response, you know, I could just say whatever and not be judged. And so then when I had my son, I thought, well, wow, how can I use my story to support others? And so I decided to turn it into a book, but I didn't want it to be just about me. Of course, there are similar threads that connect all of us as moms who have lost and partners. Um, But we also have very different stories as well. And so in between each chapter, there's a prompt or a question and it asks the reader to write down parts of their story because I do think that writing and journaling is just such a powerful therapeutic tool. And so I had a family friend who knew someone who worked at a publishing company. And it's funny, I sent in the manuscript and the secretary, administrative assistant had read it and she had suffered several miscarriages and said, please, please read this. Other moms, other people need to read it. And so it was kind of pushed through that way. Wow, that is really cool. Moms, I love, I love yeah. boss moms. <laughs> We're a different breed. We are. Mm-hmm. And she's never met you. She doesn't know you. Yeah. You know, and she reads it. She's like, "All right, take it to the top. This needs yeah. to be out there." So, so you, what's it? What's the book called? It is called "A Loss Misunderstood: Grieving Your or Healing Your Grieving Heart After Miscarriage." It's a very long title that they came up with, and mm-hmm. I still sometimes forget it. I'm like, "What is it? <laughs> long title?" Um, yeah. And where can our listeners find it? You can find it on Amazon. Um, it's under a slightly different name. Um, it's Jacqueline Pieris, P-I-E-R-I-S. So yeah. And um, we include it in our care package mm-hmm. for the moms. Every mom that has an early term pregnancy loss gets a copy of her book. So it's it's Which is, a beautiful resource we can throw in yeah. there. And it's really cool. I'm like, oh, I know her. Yeah. <laughs> I play basketball. I know the author. I know the author. <laughs> I passed to her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I just, you know, I mean, it just reminds me. The people that we meet in life, right? I mean, mm-hmm. high school, you make these connections or wherever throughout your life, you make these connections and then we reconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we would have reconnected otherwise, but we both have had a loss and, right. and we you know, find our way back to each other kind of. And it's just really cool to be able to support you mm-hmm. and to get your your book out there and, and help other women that have walked through a similar thing. Well, and thank you, yeah, for your support and including my book. I was so humbled that you were interested in it and that other lost moms and, gosh, as I keep saying, the partners and grandparents and everyone who's a part of that loss can have a resource. I just know when I lost, I was not in the state of mind to even think about what resources were out there. I really suffered alone. And um, so I hope if we make these things more available to people and they know about them and they can pass them on to those who just might be stuck and not even know where to look for support. Yeah. I feel like even in the last five years, Mm -hmm. there's been so much more available. I mean, there was really nothing Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -mm. And so I feel like we're just empowering women and families to talk about it and write their stories down and, you know, their babies matter. Because, you know, at one point I feel like, well, 
there's so many moms with a lost story. Why it is mine? Yeah. Important. What's so special? Yeah. What's so mine? special about yeah. me? There's so many out there. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's not true. Mm-hmm. We need to. T- you know, this is why we do this podcast. We tell these stories. Mm-hmm. Your babies are important. Your stories are important. And the more we hear about them and learn about them and band together, mm-hmm. it just it's just super powerful. It is. It's such a wonderful message. I mean, I can't, I've come across another mom who I wanted to hear her story, and she said, well, it's not about me. It's about others. And I said, no, it's about every single one of us. Let's not minimize what we've experienced. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's power in numbers. Yeah. Know? And so that's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, also, what is your day job? I'm a psychotherapist. Oh, um, <laughs> just, I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, no, I set no Julie up deal. for that one. No big deal. I just do that on the side. Yeah. <laughs> well, I started training in England kind of around when all of this started happening. Um, and then we moved to the U.S. and none of my training counted. <laughs> so I've actually, over the past several years, um, had to retrain over here. And so really extra train. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I know. But it's amazing. I've been able to pass on the book and my experiences to other therapists and therapists in training and gosh, people who bring up grief, but don't seem to understand it. It's, it's been a life experience. I wish I didn't have, but Mm -hmm. I'm able to use this experience to help other therapists better understand their clients and to better understand my clients. So I'm just grateful in that sense that I can use it to support others and that's just a really beautiful thing that it's not all ugliness right yeah there's purpose in that have you did Mm -hmm. you always want to be this when you were little or just this kind of fall into your your story I always actually I was a teacher before (laughs) I I made cupcakes Oh, I always knew I wanted to help people. I thought, oh, I'm going to work at a um, retirement home and help the elderly, or um, I want to work in a special education classroom. And for various reasons, I didn't go down those paths. I ended up in higher education, working in student life mostly. And what I loved most about that job was when students would come in and they just needed someone to listen to them Mm. and sometimes problem solve and other times just listen. And so I thought, okay, I want this to be my full-time job. Wow. I can, Um, I'm good at this. Yeah. Well, and I think so many therapists just somehow we attract people who feel that we're a safe person to talk to and we play that role of the listener and so it's like well I should do this full time because <laughs> um, I enjoy it and so it's been amazing yeah I'm very happy in my role now I feel like it's really important for you know the those professionals that deal with pregnancy and loss to you know mm-hmm. have that on their resume you know mm-hmm. a loss um, I know it's mm-hmm. not always but it, it's really, really, really helpful. Experience. Yeah. In it. Yeah. It's not just, yeah. you know, book knowledge or, oh, hey, mm-hmm. I read a paragraph or, mm-hmm. oh, I read Jacqueline's book, A Lost Misunderstood. Yeah. I know how to walk Duty. beside somebody. Yeah. Like, okay, well, that's a start. But but you can right. be, you know, further trained in it just because you haven't experienced a loss and yeah. you're a counselor. Um, you, you can 
further your education in that, but because grief is just super specific and yeah, <sighs> yeah, it's a different animal. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think we should always hold up our personal experiences and not think that, oh, because I wasn't formally trained or I haven't read books on it, that what do I have to offer? I just think my personal experience so much in my work comes into it. And that's how I can really, truly relate on a deeper level with my clients. So for sure. Yeah. We were joking the other day that us lost moms need letters after our name, right? So you're, oh my you're an gosh. LCSW, right? You have... I'm an LMFT. No. <laughs> okay. So you're, but what are, what are the letters we need to land on? Yeah. The for, letters for, for professional you know, grievers. Like doctorate of loss. <laughs> like what is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we need to work on that because I'm going to start adding that to my email tagline. Oh, Tracy, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a doctorate in loss. Thanks. A PhD <laughs> in grief. Oh my gosh. We'll think of something and we'll I did just a lot start of schooling. Yeah. <laughs> been doing this yeah, for 15 years yeah <laughs> we're and then how funny that we just start adding that after a name comma you know? yeah oh what is that <laughs> you walked right into that <laughs> we like to laugh around here yeah, we, <laughs> we laugh and we cry um oh it's wonderful we tell stories so well our our time is up here yeah, it went so fast it did so we will let you get back to saving the world over there in san diego california <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for everything that you both are doing. Well, same for you, you, you warrior, and thanks for calling in, um, and thanks, listeners, for tuning in. Stay tuned next week for another episode of Confessions of a Grieving Mother. Emma's Footprints has paid for over 110 burials and cremations of babies and over 100 urns and headstones in 2021. Being able to take away the financial stress during a very difficult time for a family is only part of what we do. If our mission tugs at your heart, we encourage you to make a donation that will allow us to continue to serve families that have experienced a pregnancy or infant loss in this community. Head to our website at www.emmasfootprints.com and look for the donate tab at the top of the page. As always, thank you for your support and allowing Emma's to say yes to families grieving pregnancy and infant loss.